Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, filibuster freestyle nation, filibuster freestyle planet. How are you? It might be a small planet, but there are those who love it, like Pluto used to be. Now Pluto's a big asteroid or a big whatever it is. Pluto, you'll always be a planet to the filibuster freestyle. Anyway, folks, big show. Doing a little Jason Derulo riding solo version of the filibuster freestyle. That is shout outs to number one, Jason Derulo, and number two, Pluto. And number three, the freight train going by the studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today is January, my goodness, no it's not, thank goodness. It is June 27th. Women's World Cup's going on, and that's what I'm here to talk about after the theme song. But so is the nuptials, the wedding day of my brother, the aviator, and his fiancée's soon-to-be wife, Helen. Want to wish them well now because once I go across the pond on June 30th, it's going to be about three and a half weeks over there in Europe, filibuster freestyle field trip. Say that three times fast. And I'm not sure what podcasts we're going to be able to do or not do over there. I'm hopeful I can record a lot of footage, a lot of material, if you will. What I don't know is how often or if at all we'll be able to upload podcasts while we are in Europe, um, or if we'll have a lot of good stuff to put together for a podcast when we get back. But either way, filibusterfreestyle.com is where you can find us. Follow me uh, on Instagram. Well, actually, follow the show on Instagram, at filibusterfreestyle. You'll see some nice pics from the European excursion. Um, We'll try not to give you too much FOMO. It's not FOMO. It's living vicariously. Big difference in mindset. You'll like yourself and everybody else better if you live vicariously versus having FOMO, which is fear of missing out for those of you who aren't into acronyms. Anyway, follow me on Twitter, at Gavin Viano. Uh, we'll be tweeting. We'll be potentially doing some reviews of, reviews, excuse me, of charcuterie boards and um, aperitivo boards, etc. while we're in Europe because, frankly, we did one uh, out of Italy back in the spring, and though it got mixed reviews, I think we're on to something. Anyway. Filibuster Freestyle theme song coming your way, and then we're going to talk about why the United States women's soccer national team may be the most polarizing national team in history. That's right, ladies and gents, filibuster freestyle. Right into this topic. I left you hanging with a little cliffhanger. U.S. women's soccer national team, the most polarizing national team in history, question mark? We'll find out. And maybe they are. But I think it might be for all the right reasons. And we're going to get into that. Very quickly, places listening. Several places listened, as always, but a lot of power at the top this week in terms of numbers at the top. New York City, specifically. Manhattan, by a mile, first place. The Bronx, in second place, all by itself. Also, in terms of countries listening, Austria and Australia, which sound alike but are very far away from each other, or second and third, respectively, with the city of Graz, Austria, getting all of Austria's listens. So hello to our friends in Graz. Okay. U.S. Women's National Team doing a solo pod, like I said. I'm not trying to ruffle too many feathers, but I'm also tackling a topic which is probably going to ruffle some feathers by virtue of the topic itself. Currently, U.S. is getting ready to play against France 
in the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup, live from France, in what will be tomorrow. So I'm here June 27th. For those of you who are big Women's World Cup fans, England won today to advance to the semifinals. They won 3 to nothing. So, uh, good win for the English. So the U.S. and France go next. Big game. And I want to cover this before the U.S. plays because France is actually pretty good. They're playing at home. Game's probably going to be pretty close. Okay, so number one, this is not a topic I plan to address today on the pod relative to the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team and the United States Soccer Federation, which is their their work to get equal pay as the men's national team. Okay, I want to go on record really quickly what I think, but this is not the topic of the pod. So I'm going to say my two sentences and that's it. Okay, I believe the U.S. Women's National Team deserves the same pay as the U.S. Men's National Team, but that is a whole different podcast. So, I, like I said, want to state it for the record. I think they should be paid equally for their training, for their appearances in matches like friendlies, and for their appearances in real competitions such as the World Cup. Now, if you want to talk about bonuses and the amount of bonuses being paid for winning games, advancing and such, I think that's a whole other podcast as well. But I think for a women's team that routinely makes it out of the group stage and, stage and routinely makes it to the semifinals and the finals of tournaments versus a men's team that doesn't, even the bonuses should probably be the exact same. And you got to earn the bonuses. Anyway, a different topic for a different day. This is still going to be a dense topic about this team. It's just not going to be about equal pay. You can think what you want. I just said what I think. And again, maybe we'll tackle that another day in the freestyle. I know folks are tackling it in general. Okay. Here's where I'm coming from. It's a two-parter, and you've got to stick with me. You don't have to, but I'd like you to stick with me. Okay, this all started in a big way in terms of becoming polarizing when the U.S. team beat a hapless Thailand team 13 to nothing in their first game of the World Cup. The next biggest blowout in this tournament was Italy beating Jamaica 5 to nothing. Okay? Jamaica actually is ranked worse in the world than Thailand is, which was surprising in the crack research team's work this evening. But, and I know the U.S. is better than Italy on paper as well, so whatever, but 13 nothing, their biggest win. The next biggest win in the entire World Cup so far, 5 nothing, Italy over a Jamaica team that's actually ranked lower in the world than Thailand was. Okay. And I wanted to come on and make the argument that Thailand didn't even belong in the tournament. You might have caught me talking to Andy Maslin about that a couple weeks ago during the Stanley Cup run and some of our podcasts about the Bruins and the Blues when this thing first went down and the U.S. team won by so many goals. I was saying Thailand shouldn't even be there. But then, but then I looked at it with the crack research team, of course. And here's the breakdown of the 24 teams and where they came from. So the AFC, the Asian Football Confederation, had five slots. That included Thailand, and it also includes Australia, who actually play in the AFC, because obviously Australia is one country on one continent, and the Oceania Federation is incredibly weak. So Australia opts to play in the Asian Federation, which makes the Asian Federation stronger. They got five bids. Thailand was one of them. Okay, the CAF, the African Federation, three slots. CONCACAF, which is the North American Federation, three slots. CONMEBOL, the South American Federation, three slots. The aforementioned Oceania, the OFC, one slot for New Zealand. And then UEFA, which is Europe, got eight slots plus the hosts were France. 
So they got nine slots. So nine of the 24 teams in the tournament already from Europe. The next most from anywhere, five from Asia, including Australia. So the interesting thing is that the final eight teams are the U.S. and seven European countries. So seven of the nine European countries that got into the field of 24 made the group stage. Sorry, the final eight. Of the 16 teams that made it, another European team was also in there. So eight of their nine, eight of their nine made the group, got it out of the group stage. Of the other seven that made it that weren't the U.S. in the first seven, and we'll get into all that as it goes, but two are from Africa, into the, out of the group stage, one from North America, that was Canada, three Asian countries, China, Japan, and Australia, one European country, which I believe is Spain or the U.S. just beat, and one South American country, which is Brazil, who's got a pretty strong program most years. Okay, so I was thinking we could find a different continent for a team to get in over Thailand, but there are several teams rated worse than Thailand in the world. I mentioned Jamaica. All three of the African nations that qualify for the World Cup, including two who made the top 16 out of the group stage, are ranked worse than Thailand in the world, which is really blowing my mind. Two of the teams from South America, we had Chile. No, not Chile, I'm sorry. Yeah, Chile and Argentina, in addition to um, Brazil, were in the tournament, excuse me. And none of those teams got beat worse than 5-0. Okay? So teams exercised their restraint. The U.S. chose not to against Thailand. I'm going to get into more of that in a second. So, again, Europe had, a nine, had nine teams in the tournament. Eight of them made the round of 16. Seven of them made the final. So unless they wanted to add a 10th European team to a 24-team tournament, I guess Thailand did have to get in or somebody else like Thailand because, as I just mentioned, there was one Jamaica, two, three, four of the African nations, two more South American teams. So that's one, four, six teams were actually ranked worse than Thailand who made it to the tournament. They just didn't get beaten as badly as Thailand got beaten by the U.S., which basically means the U.S. needs to win all their games by a lot or try. We'll get into that. Basically means that the U.S. doesn't win this tournament. It's a failure. We'll get into that in a minute. So anyway, second round. The U.S. women's national team tried to destroy Chile. Chile, however you want to say it. Lovely South American country. They were up 3 to nothing, and they were, they were thirsty for more. But then the Chilean goaltender who started trending on Twitter just started stopping everything. And the U.S. probably should have scored six to nine goals instead of three including the fact that this woman stopped a penalty kick from, you know, the great Carly Lloyd of the U.S. at the end of the game because the woman had done so well in the second half that she literally got in the head of the person taking the penalty, Carly Lloyd. Carly Lloyd pulled it to the left, wasn't even a shot on goal, so the lady saved a PK with Yoda, mind games, mind tricks, amazing. So that was the U.S. trying to prove that beating Thailand wasn't a fluke, that they were just such a juggernaut that they could run it up on Chile too. But the goaltender from Chile had a different, absolutely different mindset, had a different answer. It kept it to a very respectable 3-0, which for a team that just won 13-0, keeping it at 3-0 when they had a million shots and possessed the ball so much of the game kind of took them down a peg. It's kind of hard to win a game 3-0 and completely dominate and then feel a sense of, like, letdown. So that was a little bit strange. The third game for the U.S. came against Sweden. 
Sweden's a pretty good program. They made it to the they made it through as well to the past the group stage. I believe that's who lost to England today uh, by a score of three nothing. But anyway, in the game against Sweden, the U.S. won comfortably two nothing. It was all they needed to do was win. They just needed to win the game in the group stage with the top the top seed because Sweden had won their first games too. But they played with a control against Sweden that, in my mind, is the control they should have played with against Thailand. I'm not saying they had to win two to nothing against Thailand. I get it, but. 8-0 would have served probably the exact same point, proven the same point, as 13-0. And here's the thing. Everybody's like, Gavin, we don't care. They want to score goals. They're allowed to score goals. Quote, it's Thailand's job to stop them. I've just gone through and debunked that Thailand, I guess, should have been in the tournament field because there really wasn't anybody better from a world ranking standpoint. Okay, fine. But here's my problem. My biggest problem was the celebrating of the goals by the team Goals 11, 12, and 13 were celebrated the same way and with the same vigor as if they were all sudden-death game winners in the World Cup final. And that's just kind of showing people up. And you're showing up inferior players the way an older sibling will ruthlessly destroy their younger sibling when they're like four feet, or sorry, but like two feet taller than them when one is eight and one is three. Like, yeah, you're playing the same game, but not on the same level. And I understand that Thailand is a senior national team, doesn't mean you couldn't have done what Italy did to Jamaica and just done a 5 nothing waxing or an 8 nothing waxing. Or if you wanted to win 13 to nothing. Like I said, goals 11, 12, and 13 didn't need to feel like they were sudden-death winners of World Cup finals each. So what happened was the U.S. women's national team were punching down. And that's a factor that's going to come in later in the podcast. And it's not going to be that long of a podcast. I'm by myself here. But... I'm, I'm waxing poetic because I got a few things to say. So, the mighty team that smoked Thailand and tried to embarrass Chile, except for a world-class goalie, played it safe for Sweden, and then they were in a dogfight in the round of 16 against Spain. And as the games get better and bigger, the teams get better and bigger. And beating Thailand means less and less and less. But the bullseye that you put on your own back from beating Thailand like that is not going anywhere. And so now the U.S., is playing France in the quarterfinals in France. And France is great at home. And the U.S. is the better team, and we're going to see what happens. And in my mind, the winner of this game is the absolute favorite to win the World Cup. Okay, that's all been set. The U.S. plays France tomorrow. But now, of course, as everything in our country these days, especially on Twitter, politics are coming into play. And uh, Megan Rapione, Rapione, I should know her name by now, and I'm sorry I don't. Um... In terms of the in terms of the pronunciation, my 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 apologies. But Spain played an incredibly physical game and dared the refs to call penalties and penalty kicks on them when they played the U.S. Megan Rapione stepped to the, to the spot both times, scored both of her penalty kick opportunities, and that was important because Spain scored a goal in play, which the U.S. couldn't do. They scored a goal on some really poor defense and poor goaltending by the U.S. women's national team. So again, U.S. Hero of the Sweet 16 game, round of 16 game, Megan Rapioni has always been incredibly vocal, especially over the last couple of World Cup cycles, certainly in the 15 cycle, in the Olympics in Rio, and then now 2019. She's been very vocal, as have many people, about not only the equal pay, but also some other things, including how the current administration in the White House treats many of our citizens, many of the immigrants who are here legally in the U.S., let alone those who are, being, who are at the border being treated terribly by all reports that I understand. This administration also tends to punch down on certain religious affiliations, on 
many races, many ethnicities, and the LBGTQ plus community. So you've got a U.S. national team member and some of her teammates aiding in her plight that they're not going to go to the White House, win or lose, whether they're invited or not. And they feel like this because the White House doesn't treat these folks well. And in fact, they treat them poorly. And in fact, in some ways, and i got to find my notes, um, there's a joy that some say this administration takes in treating people poorly or cruelly. Whether that's true or not, I'm not trying to make that point. But people say that. To quote the president, people are saying, they're saying. But I've heard that. Okay? So... The U.S. Women's National Team are saying they're not going to go to the White House. And I feel like it's interesting because they're calling out an administration that makes a living out of punching down. But what they did to Thailand was punch down. So the way we treat each other in this country is obviously a lot more important than the way the Women's National Team or anybody plays a game like soccer. And the way we treat at-risk demographics in this country is much more important than the way a soccer game unfolds. But it's just kind of ironic that the U.S. Women's National Team was the bully to Thailand, and they seemed to take joy in it by virtue of the way they celebrated their 11th, 12th, and 13th goals. And that's right out of the playbook of this administration since it took power in January of 17. So it's just... It's just a weird thing because now it's created, you know, a week and a half ago, people, scratch that, three weeks ago before the World Cup started, everybody in America either didn't care about the World Cup starting or, of course, they wanted America, the USA, to win. After the Thailand thing, a lot of people, including myself, started to choose sides. Not that I don't love America, not that I don't love the U.S. Women's National Team, but I just, I didn't love the way, and I keep saying it, the way they celebrated those final three to four goals of the game. I just thought that, you know, and they're allowed to do it, and they did it, and that's fine. But a lot of people loved it. They loved it. And there were really only two camps a week and a half ago. Either you love what they did and you love the team, or you didn't like what they did and you love the team, if you're an American at least. I'm sure people around the world have many different thoughts. But most American teams, national teams, are universally loved. And they definitely aren't disliked for winning by too much. And I agree that that's a weird thing to think, and I'm on record saying it. And again, I still like the team. I still want them to win. Whatever, okay? But now we have four factions, four polarized areas of how they feel about this team. And this is the thesis coming together on the pod. It's not just, oh, I liked what they did to Thailand or I didn't like what they did to Thailand, but I still like the team. It's these four things. Number one, I love that they beat Thailand 13 to nothing. And I hate that they won't go to the White House. Likely folks who are moderate Republicans or further right. Number two, not, not necessarily, but likely. Number two, I love that they beat Thailand 13-0, and I love that they won't go to the White House. Probably libertarians, amongst others. Number three, I hate that they beat Thailand 13-0, but I love that they won't go to the White House. Likely Left-leaning Democrats, far-left Democrats, the Green Party, etc. Finally, I hate that they beat Thailand 13-0, and I hate that they won't go to the White House. I actually don't think this category may exist in real life, but it's plausible. But I'm not thinking the Tea Party far-right folks are very likely to watch soccer in the first place. because So I'm told by some folks in that 
area. Soccer's for sissies. Not my thoughts. I think soccer's great. I even call it football sometimes. Anyway, so if we think about most of our national teams, we usually care about them as a nation, but really we only care once every three or four years at best. And the casual American non-sports fan isn't talking about them much. And I don't mean the women's team. I don't mean the men's team. I mean any U.S. national team. We really only care when the stakes are the highest. But right now, people do care. Right now, I just named four factions of people who feel a very strong way about the U.S. women's national team over the last two, three weeks. So whether or not this team is polarizing, I think it is. People have an opinion. But I think that's genius for this group of women who are trying to heighten awareness of not only their equal pay movement, but now some of their politics and other things they think, but also elevating their celebrity, which, by the way, will elevate the amount of sponsorships they draw, people that go to see them play, all the things that will help them make their argument for being in the public consciousness, which hopefully will get them paid equally. So whether they're crazy or crazy like a fox for beating Thailand 13 to nothing, I think they've made the most of this World Cup appearance, even if they lose to France. And if they keep winning, the snowball momentum is only going to grow. But they've got to keep winning if they really want to maximize what's happening now on the political spectrum. Because now there's a bullseye on their back, not only from the soccer world out there trying to beat them, but also from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If they don't win, the person who lives at that address and likes to tweet at night is going to have a field day. So they've got to win to make their point on several fronts. So what I'm saying is they've got to keep winning to do that. So I really hope they've saved enough goals to eke out three more wins. Because they certainly, and I'm going to bring it back to me being a little bit of a, of a D about how I felt about the Thailand game, they certainly didn't need all 13 of those goals they scored in games number one. But you know what? I am pulling for them to figure it out. Last thing. How does a team become more newsworthy after dropping Hope Solo from the roster? Great work. I'm glad you did. Also, an early happy Independence Day to everybody who's celebrating the 4th of July. Independence Day is a great holiday for any nation, including this nation, the United States of America. So enjoy it. Be safe. Have fun. If I do not connect with any of you before the 4th of July... Filibuster Freestyle loves you. Happy birthday to America. And like I said, stay safe. And even though the hot dog eating contest is going to be live from Coney Island, sponsored by Nathan's officially for them, unofficial sponsor of the week, hot dogs, don't go trying to be those guys. Dangerous stuff. Just saying. All right, filibusterfreestyle.com, where you can check it all out. Thanks for listening. And please, as I always say, if you have a droid, Google Play, Google Music Play. If you have an iPhone, Apple Podcasts, subscribe on SoundCloud, leave reviews, tell your friends about it. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon.